Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about our experiences and how they shape us in this work. But before we jump into that, I would love to remind you of PeaceWorks University. PeaceWorks University is our online membership community. And if you are benefiting from what you're hearing on the PeaceWorks podcast, then PeaceWorks University is your best next step. It's chock full of resources that I know are going to benefit you as you grow in your response to domestic abuse from a gospel-centered perspective. You can learn more about PeaceWorks University at chrismoles.org. All right, so today's episode, we're going to dive into another listener question. And uh, this question uh, goes like this. So let me just read it to you. What specific examples and experiences, particularly with influential men in your life, influence you toward a power under servant leadership approach in your own marriage? How do these ideas inform your parenting of your sons now? So I really appreciate the question. Um, I am okay with some of the personal aspects of the question. I think our personal experiences, how we're raised, our backgrounds, they certainly do impact and inform some of the choices that we make. I'll often say that, uh, especially when working with uh, perpetrators of abuse, that you know, it, something might be contributive but not causative, and so we all have our own choices and therefore must be held responsible and accountable. But certainly, those influences in our life, they do shape us to a degree or another. And so I appreciate the questioner kind of leaning into, you know, what shapes me. So, um, yeah, you know, when I first got involved in this work, I think this is really important. Um, I really didn't know much about it. I mean, I think I've been honest about that before, you know, um, years and years ago when I was invited into the work, I had very little experience with the concepts of domestic abuse. I had never really uh, been in an abusive environment. I had never experienced abuse. I had never seen uh, abuse at the relational level. I had one brief moment in my childhood where a family member had sought uh, help from my family, from, from my parents. And, um, you know, some folks had lived with us for a while seeking safety uh, from, uh, from an abusive relationship. But overall, I mean, that was a limited um, exposure and kind of an abnormality for me. And to perhaps lean into the, the questioner's intent here, you know, that's a testimony to the family in which I was raised. And so, you know, the men in my life, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly were influential to the degree that I learned that, you know, manhood or masculinity or being a husband and a father uh, involved aspects of sacrifice. That would be a big one. Um, Work, hard work, which would be another big kind of marker of the men in in my life growing up. Uh, gentleness uh, was a key component, you know, and 
patience, I think, was another big one. You know, my family all came from kind of a labor-intensive background. And so the men in my family, prior to my brother and I, you know, um, were not college-educated. Careers were very much built around, um, you know, labor-intensive occupations such as the the coal mines, which is a big um, job, you know, producer here where I'm from as well as, you know, the subsidiary, you know, the, the tertiary industries that, that pop up due to that, you know, like uh, oil and gas. So coal, oil and gas, uh, asphalt, construction, heavy equipment, and then, of course, farming. And uh, for, the, for the majority of my family, you know, driving trucks and, and moving mobile homes and things. So um, I was always around hardworking men. Uh, but men who were gentle and patient. Uh, I think that's one of the things especially uh, I witnessed growing up was that um, when the men in my life and my family got frazzled, it it wasn't really taken out on people. Um, there was usually moments of, um, you know, obviously you get frustrated, but in the same regard, you just have to fix it. You just kind of got to go with it. And I, I recall in particular, you know, my grandfather and my great uncle, so Papa Damon and Uncle Henry, uh, working together and there being a lot of laughter when things went wrong or um, just a lot of things rolling off your back. And I think some of that had to do with, you know, especially with my grandfather having seen so much violence uh, in World War II, there was seemingly at least with me as a grandchild, just this intentionality of, you know, nothing is really that big of a deal. You know, if the, if we can't make this turn with the trailer, we'll just figure out how to do it. If we put this together wrong, we'll just take it apart and put it together. Right. It's really not that big of a deal compared to what he already experienced. And I think there was a softening that happened in his life. And that really translated into a lot of us, you know, just understanding that, uh, violence was never really a part of my childhood, I guess I'm saying. So to answer the first part of the question, uh, while I had not experienced abuse and I, I came into the work really as a novice and ignorant of the work, the men in my life did not display that. At least I never witnessed it uh, from any of the the men in particular uh, that I was raised around um, who predominantly were, were gentle Um I think the same would be said uh, as I, maybe theologically speaking, would be another way to look at it. I think another thing that really shaped me, I don't know that the questioner is asking this, but I think it's important. And I've talked about this before, but when I was stepping into the work, when I was kind of finding my way in domestic abuse work, uh, prior to that, I had already had a little bit of a crisis of faith uh, that had led me into more of the peace-oriented uh, movements uh, of the church, whether it be the radicals, the radical reformers, and kind of that that wave of peace-driven, you know, gospel of peace type believers that eventually led to the the Mennonites and the Brethren churches that I was not familiar with, but I, I really appreciated the theology or even the. Um, early forms of Pentecostalism, which were conscientious objectors or, um, 
not, who practice nonviolent resistance. And that always fasc- that fascinated me at that point in my faith. And even rereading the Gospels and interacting with the person of Jesus and how he navigated oppression in, in such a um, winsome and deliberate way, the kind of the third way of Jesus was such a big part of restoring my faith as a young man prior to entering the work, that when I entered the work, when I came into domestic violence work, I came into that work with a theological disposition that had kind of moved a little bit away from um, just violence or just war theory. And some people may or may not um, care about this or, (coughs) excuse me, or find it all that intriguing. But I think when the questioner asked, you know, influential men in my life, I think Theologically speaking, that was a huge win for me because stepping into this work as somebody who had wrestled with violence and nonviolence from a theological perspective, you know, and had really wrestled with my own heart on, you know, is violence justifiable as a believer, and in particular, my own conscience, and then to translate that to family life, being a husband and a father as a, as a young man and a Christian who's wrestling with this, okay, how does that look in my life? And then being confronted with uh, familial violence and spousal abuse on a, on a regular basis, you know, weekly working with men who were committing acts of violence. It was putting my, my theological frameworks that I were developing to the test. And that was a huge blessing to me as a husband and a father. And so to answer the question, you know, in one more step, right? So, my history helped seeing gentle men who, um, you know, were, were patient and kind was helpful wrestling with my own conscience and theology of violence was helpful before I ever entered the work. Um, forcing myself back into the gospels third, um, was huge as Jesus became a very central figure in how I wanted to live my life um, as a husband and a father. And I think you've probably heard that in some of the lectures and talks that I've done, leaning into Matthew 20 and Mark 10 and John 13 and um, various passages, uh, Philippians 2, just highlighting Jesus' strategy of power under through service as opposed to power over through coercion uh, really informed and and has helped me as a husband and a father um, from a theological perspective, from a practical perspective. And then here's one that probably is a shocker to some people. Um, all the guys I've worked with, to be honest, I, I have said this on many occasions. I think the Lord allowing me and drawing me into domestic violence work um, has really helped me become a better husband and father and neighbor and pastor than I would have been without the work. And I'm not, I'm not arrived and I still have plenty of flaws and I still struggle um, in a lot of ways, but I'm really thankful for the years that I've spent with abusive men. Uh, Not just to say, okay, yeah, I see what not to do, but just to really wrestle with the heart and the soul and the mind and the mentality and the perception behind the choices that people make and how easy those choices are to make, you know, and how um, quickly we can turn to threat uh, and fear and coercion. And even with that, how effective coercive behavior is. 
I mean, it works. And I think that's one of the big dangers uh, in the church today is it works, you know, to bully people, to be so rigid with people, to really um, press down on people is effective in the short term at getting you what you want, but it is so destructive in the long term. And those are the type of conversations that I end up having with my kids. So, you know, the, the, the questioner asks, you know, how, does the, how do these ideas inform your parenting? Well, we talk a great deal about um, these things. And I think with my boys in particular, uh, we talk a lot about respect, um, especially when it comes to, to girls. When, when my boys have and are considering, you know, girls that they like at school or they're considering um, getting into relationships that are, uh, you know, dating relationships, we talk a lot about planning and long-term goals and respect and uh, aspects of things that were modeled to me by men in my family were reinforced and given kind of a, uh, a rich framework theologically through the radicals and through, uh, like I said, early Pentecostals and others who were, you know, nonviolent uh, evangelicals and um, Jesus himself. And then also all the years that I've worked with perpetrators. So I do have these conversations with my kids. Now here's a, here's an interesting thing. And um, hopefully not too many people will judge me on this, but um, I, I want my kids to believe and follow Jesus. Like that's a heartbeat of mine. Uh, however, it, they don't have to be the same flavor Christian as me. In other words, they don't have to follow the exact same theological frameworks that I do. And so I was blessed and drawn into the faith and became a part, I think, of a rich tradition of nonviolent Christians or Christians who viewed violence as quite different maybe than, than even their predecessors and their teachers. But, you know, my boys don't have to go that same route. You know, I mean, they may come to some different conclusions, uh, but still follow Jesus and believe in the gospel. Um, and we may have some different nuance to it, but, um, yeah, my, my main goal is for them to pursue the heart of Christ. And I think in doing so, they're going to be better fathers and they're going to be better husbands. And that's my prayer. Although everyone has their own choices, right? I mean, that's the thing. Um, people will ask me all the time, how do we prevent our kids from? And I'm like, you know, you just do the best you can because people make their choices. Uh, abuse is a learned behavior. And I, I find that people either learn it through modeling and observation. Um, they see it. They witness it. Uh, it works, or they learn it through trial and error. I have worked with men who had no abuse in their background, no experience of abuse from their fathers in their home, and yet coercion, threat, and fear, as I said, is effective. So they try it out, and it works, and they get better at it. And sin and the corrupt nature that all of us are wrestling with uh, makes that very easy, uh, easy to lean into. And so there's no guarantees. Um, but I do think, you know, um, what I've experienced in my life has helped me tremendously. Uh, I, you know, I do a lot of things wrong. There's nothing perfect about Pastor Chris other than Jesus. Uh, but I am pleased to say that I'm not abusive and I haven't been coercive and controlling with my family in that regard. Um, I haven't used violence in the home and a great contributor to that is the men that influenced me as a child 
theology that God has graciously, the frameworks that he's graciously allowed me to be a part of and to learn from and to embrace, uh, matters of conscience that are then developed by those frameworks, the person of Jesus himself and the gospel and um, attempting to, to follow in his footsteps. And then, of course, the abusive men that I've worked with that have, yes, shown some ways not to do things, but have also really humanized um, the realities of these choices and sin and how wickedness, um, yes, is a slippery slope in many ways, but also is you know, a series of very simple, understandable choices when your heart is turned uh, from the person and the work of Jesus towards your own idols and your own concerns. And you can find yourself um, doing monstrous things and justifying them um, and, and then look back and wonder how you got there. And that's not to lessen the realities of that, that that must be held accountable. There are consequences for that behavior um, that must be enacted. Uh, but I think all of that work has also kind of given a, a balance, this heart of compassion that, that goes along with this desire for accountability and repentance. And again, that comes back to what we talk about a great deal when it, when it comes to Galatians 6. You know, we want to restore people gently. We want to guard our own hearts so that we don't become like them. Uh, but God will not be mocked, and a man will reap what he sow, that we understand the, the realities of consequences. So I don't know if that was specific enough for the questioner. Uh, the questioner did ask for specifics, but I don't want to name too many people uh, on a public forum like this. But, yeah, the men of my life, the crisis of faith that, that the Lord brought me through, through his spirit and his word and his church and through church history, um, Jesus himself and then the men that I've worked with have all been shaping influences, I think, to bring me to this point and continue to bring me to this point. And if I can be or any of our team can be, you know, a voice that prompts you into the work or draws you closer into the work, then praise the Lord for that um, because we want to be a, a shaping influence to a degree as well. Well, I hope that was, was helpful. That I really appreciated the question. Uh, I think abuse prevention begins in the home. I think maybe even further than that, it begins in the heart uh, as we decide the type of people that we want to be, that we want to follow after God's heart, uh, that we want to abandon the the way of the world and we want to embrace the kingdom of God uh, and kind of follow uh, what he has for us, being empowered and filled with his spirit as opposed to uh, our own desires and motivations. So I hope that was a helpful answer to you. I can't wait to answer some more questions here on the podcast. Hey, if you are listening uh, to the podcast regularly on one of the major platforms, would you do us a favor? Would you rate, review, subscribe? Uh, let that platform know, follow, whatever the platform asks. Let that platform know that you enjoy the PeaceWorks podcast. We are so thankful for everyone who makes this podcast possible. That's you, the listener who tunes in week after week. We appreciate you guys so much. Until next time, God bless.